Memorial Cup, for those who are not familiar, the championship of junior hockey in this country. Since the Memorial Cup opened up on Friday, the London Knights have, maybe predictably, but been a wrecking ball. They've basically destroyed all the other best junior teams in the country. The Memorial Cup, by the way, has the champion of Ontario's league, the OHL, the Western League, and the Quebec League, as well as the host. It's being played in Red Deer this year, so the Red Deer, Deer Rebels are there. They'd killed them. They beat up on Rouen Noranda, the Quebec champion. Uh, they beat up on Brandon, the Western champion. It's been just a demolition. And this is important around here, not because you are necessarily a London Knights fan. Chances are you're probably not. You're probably agnostic to London Knights. You're like, well, why do I care about the London Knights? Well, the reason this is important around here is because Hamilton Bulldogs owner Michael Andlauer and President Steve Steos and pretty much everybody else in the Hamilton Bulldogs organization has pointed repeatedly to the London Knights model as the what they want to become. The Hamilton Bulldogs want to eventually be, and hopefully eventually doesn't take too long, but eventually be the Eastern version of the London Knights, which means you always make the playoffs, you're always good, you're generally always competing for a championship, players want to play for you, on and on and on. So the question is, how do you get there? How do you build that model? And and ultimately, to answer that question, we have to say, well, what is that model? How does that model look? Well, to help us try and answer that, Josh Brown is a tremendous reporter, writer uh, for the Waterloo Record. He's covered the OHL for years. His dad was a, you may remember his dad if you're a longtime Spectator reader. His dad was Stu Brown, wrote entertainment for the Spectator for years. Fantastic journalist here in town. Josh is now carrying on that tradition. He joins us now. Josh, how are you tonight? Hey, Scott. How's it going, bud? I'm doing I'm doing very well, but I, I, I want to bring you in on this because, as I said in the intro, the Hamilton Bulldogs are trying to become the London Knights, essentially. Now, they're not the only one. I know you cover the Kitchener Rangers. They'd love to be the London Knights, and so would pretty much everybody else. But this is a team that has not missed the playoffs since 2000. They've been to four of the last five Memorial Cups. They are always good. They always draw crowds. They always fill their building. What's the secret? What do they do? Walk me through how the London Knights have become the London Knights. Well, I think before I do that, I just wanted to say I heard your intro saying that if Hamilton wants to be London, they have to be a bunch of things, and I think you got to add hated on that list as well. <laughs> uh, well, that's I that's like every league. It, it, it might be envy, but uh, man, they're not well liked outside of out of London, and that's another sign of, of you know of success ultimately. But what makes them so successful? Man, it's a lot of things, and, and you know I see a lot of the nights because Kitchener usually plays them about six to eight times in the regular season, uh, with them being so close. And in the last three times the Rangers have made the playoffs, it's the Knights who have sent them packing. So, trust me, I've seen a lot of the Knights, and, and I've seen more than my fair share. And I guess ultimately, you know, like I, I'm kidding when they say they're hated. I know there's it's because there's a love hate sort of thing with with OHL fans against them, but. Uh, it's a desirable place to play. Ultimately, I mean, I think that that is the main thing. I and mean, you have to—you're looking to try to please three sort of factions when you're an OHL team, which is player agents, parents, and players, and probably in that order. And uh, London does a lot of nice things uh, that cater to that. So the scout, NHL scouts will see their clients, draft these guys into the NHL, and get them on their way. But, you know, just some basic things, like first, it's a decent-sized city. Um, you know, you're not going to the outposts of northern Ontario. 
sending your kid away where you'll never see him again. You know, it's right on the highway, so if you're a parent from the GTA or, or the Golden Horseshoe, you can drive and actually see them play regularly and not have to, you know, book a flight. Um, the, the rink is, is, you know, like, uh, I'm going to say cops call see him a million times here, so, so we all do, we all do I'm it, Josh. Native, it's, it's forever etched in my head as cops, but uh, like uh, like First Ontario, it you know this one seats it only seats ten thousand, but it sells out every game. So you know they, there's these selling points to players when you and agents when you want to bring your kid here. Look at it, you're gonna have ten thousand people screaming for you every game. The media coverage is good. You know the newspaper is all over the team paper, uh, the the TV radio cover it. But most importantly, things like they draft well. You know you, you mentioned the Memorial Cup and, and kind of how they're steamrolling over there. Um, that top line, I think it's. I, I, I think I sent a tweet out today. I think it was 29 points in three games. You know, of uh, Mitch Marner, Matt Kachuk, Radic, or, or sorry, Christian Dvorak. And, and if you look at the, you know, every team in the OHL passed on Mitch Marner when he was drafted last in the first round. Uh, Matt Kachuk is a fourth round draft pick. Dvorak's an eighth round draft pick. Even when their best defenseman Oli Uyelevi is a, was the 45th overall pick in the import draft. You know, so that means 44 CHL teams from the Western Q and O passed on him. And they just seem to find these gems and, and more importantly, get them to London. Um, you know, they have their misses, too. Like, they, I think a couple of years ago, they had Zach Wierenski, a second-round pick. They, they tried on him. He never showed. But they take these chances on guys from the U.S., and a lot of them, a lot of them do show up, and, and they're difference makers. And they're good at trades. Like, you know, these guys are, are, are routinely, when they have their down years, which is, you know, still making the playoffs, which a lot of teams would, would you know, crave those years, they have this knack for turning overage players and castoffs into second-round draft picks. Uh, you know, they sent a couple guys to Oshawa who won a Memorial Cup, and they got a bunch of second-round draft picks left, which is the highest you can get in the O because you can't trade first. But they also got a guy like Cliff Poo, who's like their second line, uh, their, their best player on their second line at, uh, I think he's uh, 17, 18, um, you know, who will be there for another two or years in that package. So it's like they're constantly just, you know, reloading. And they never seem to have a really poor year with their last. Okay, so let me just stop you for one second because you've said yeah. a few things that I want to ask you about. First of all, the drafting. Now they do, they do draft well, but is that great drafting? Is that luck, or is that the fact that there is something else at play, which we'll touch on in a second about desirability that would allow them to get guys late? Well, I think it's a combination of all of it. I mean, you, you do have to get lucky. Um, you can, you know, the fact that you, like Hamilton, is starting to implement with a guy like Stales, you know, you, guys with NHL experience who are, who are GMs and coaches go a long way in this league because, you know, everybody knows how small the hockey world is. So they have a buddy who knows the guy who's playing in the States who, you know, speak, you know talks in his ear about going to the OHL. And the more of those guys you have, the easier it is to lure them here. Um, I think they, you know they spend a lot on scouting. They have a lot of scouts uh, that have been there with the team for a long time. They're good at it. And uh, you know I think when you have all these things you can say to a kid like, hey, you come to our city, you're going to get all this. Another thing I, I, I forgot was you know they have a private school sort of system where you know a lot of these guys who come here are rink rats and, and school necessarily isn't the thing they want to do. They just want to work out, be on the ice. Well, the Knights have like a, a tutor program where like, they don't have to go to school. They can study at the rink, and a tutor comes in, and then they just, you know, go hit the gym, and they don't have to deal with all the kind of, you know, going to class and bells and all that stuff. So you offer all these things, um, and, and, and other teams necessarily don't necessarily all have all these kind of bells and whistles, and, you know, it's almost a no-brainer about where you want to go. One of the things, though, that is, it's always, I don't even, I was going to say whispered, I don't think it's whispered, no. is that <laughs> when you talk about the American guys, that the American guys have an option because they can either go the NCAA route, they can go to the USA developmental team, or they could come to the OHL. And what you end up with 
it seems is there's an awful lot of guys, American guys, top players, who will use that to leverage where they can land in the OHL. If it looks like they're going to end up at an outpost or at a crappy team, they will tell the team, don't draft me because I won't report. I'm going to go to the developmental team or I'll go to the NCAA. Yeah, London, it seems... That's not necessarily unique to U.S. guys. I mean, a lot of top first-round picks from Ontario teams will say the same thing. But you're right. It, you know, they do have more options down there where they can, they can bolt to the U.S. program or, or the NCAA. Um, and, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I thought you might be going a different way, but there's lots of whispers out there that, that the Knights do some, I don't say shady things, but, uh, you know, I was talking to a GM today who said that they're really good at bending the rules. They don't necessarily break them, but they bend them, which means maybe... Who knows, you know, talking to a scout or a parent or doing something, putting them up in a hotel while they're in town, things like that. I mean, I I don't have any proof of that, but it's long been whispered that, you know, not everything maybe is on the up and up in that respect. Yeah, and and Um, we don't, I mean, we don't know that, but the one thing that we do know for sure, uh, or it seems anyway, is that you may have some players. Patrick Kane is a great example of this. Patrick Kane went in the fifth round of the London Knights. I mean, he was the leading scorer the year he came up. He was the MVP of the league. He's now probably, uh, he's going to be, he was the best player in the NHL this year. Um, this is a guy that you would have thought that he would have gone way earlier in the OHL draft, but presumably had made it clear that he was not going anywhere, but London took him and suddenly because London is a desirable location, you know what, okay, I'll report there, and turned it into a, a phenomenal season. Yeah, well, you know what, it's the old adage. I mean, winning speaks a lot, right? I mean, if you're... If you're, uh, you know, take, take for example, I'll, I'll use Kitchen as an example this past year um, because they had a, they have two players uh, that, that kind of fit this mold. One is the least prospect, Jeremy Bracco, who, you know, a lot of people probably have heard of, who was at Boston College to start the year and was not coming here. But, you know, he was, again, one of those guys who didn't like the school system, didn't want to go and hang out with, with kids younger than him. And the team wasn't doing too hot. And then the Rangers got off to a blistering start, and suddenly it looked a lot more tra- – people want to go where teams are winning. But that also is – you know, these are relationships these teams build from the day they're drafted. They're talking to, you know, their agents. They're talking to the teams, more importantly, that draft them. That has, comes into a big play, and you'll see that this year at the NHL draft. You know, another guy that the Rangers had was a guy named Tommy Novak. Now, he was a Predators draft pick, and the GM of the Predators is very pro-NCAA, so he didn't come. And it's kind of neat, interesting, you know, how, I mean, obviously Mark Hunter um, and company, Kyle Dubas with the Leafs, uh, both former GMs in the uh, Ontario Hockey League are, are going to push that league. So it's kind of, you know, I often hear when, when I talk to GMs, you know, is this guy going to report? And they say, well, we're going to wait and see which NHL team drafts him. And again, you might even have, you know, like Steos has got a million connections to, you know, say Edmonton drafts him, right? He, he's, he's, I'm sure he's right in Edmonton's ear saying, hey, why don't you send him to Hamilton, you know? And, and those, those connections go a long way. What is really interesting about what you're talking about, though, about whether guys will report, the London Knights this year have 10 Americans on their roster. Those are 10 guys that had lots of other options for where they could go but chose to report there, and I don't think it's a coincidence. They're not all the best players, but that certainly speaks to the fact that they can get guys to come where other teams sometimes struggle. Yeah, you're right, and you know, a lot of the times it's the players themselves who are doing the recruiting. You'll often see guys from the U.S. national program, which is kind of a hotbed in the U.S. It's sort of this elite uh, under-17 and under-18 team where, where the best players in the country spend a year with the team. So you get a guy on that team, it's usually... Uh, you know, first, second-round draft pick for the hiring guys in the NHL. Uh, you, you'll see a lot of times if you get one, and then suddenly London or, or you know Kitchener or whoever drafts you know a, a couple guys on the team who are on the same line, 
and then you know they're they're getting their buddies to come up and you know they're how great how, you got to get here how great it is and and you know like I said when you go to four Memorial Cups in five years as you mentioned uh, it, it doesn't take too much arm twisting I don't think I mean ultimately you want to go high in the NHL draft uh, for guys who haven't been drafted. There's a lot of money on the line. Uh, you want to have a good year, and the longer you go in the NHL season, typically bodes well for you come draft time. Scouts just have you fresher on the brain. Uh, Josh, one more thing. We're just we're just about out of time here. But how much do, the Hamilton Bulldogs right now are in the middle of a coaching search, and they are trying to find someone who is going to. I mean, the Hunters clearly who run London, Dale Hunter. One of the things that's said about Dale Hunter is, if you're a star player, you will be given every opportunity to be a star player. You are going to get playing time. You're going to play in all these big situations. And so you get a guy like Mitch Marner who is playing all the time. Kachuk is playing all the time. How important is the coach to being able to get these guys up here and the coach's style to be able to become the London Knights? It's massive. I mean, it, it, it's like I, like I said, that, you know, the more connections these guys have, um, the more players they're going to be able to bring to your team. And it's funny you mentioned the coaches. Let's throw this out there as a tidbit, as a sidebar. I actually heard today that, uh, just to throw another name out there in the old rumor mill in Hamilton, but John Gruden's name came up. I don't know if that's been out there or not. Uh, up this way, it popped up as he was the ex-coach of Flint, uh, worked for the, national, the American National uh, Training for Development Program, and uh, was former NHLer, so he kind of fits all those molds of getting U.S. guys, having the connections in the NHL, and uh, from all accounts, was the players raved about him in Flint. You get a guy like that or somebody similar, and they can pull a lot of strings, and they have a lot of connections to get guys to your team. Plus, they just bring an instant credibility. We had Mike Van Ryan here last year, uh, or sorry, this past year in Kitchener, and the, the, the players just raved about him, and Jamie Key is assistant, and these are guys who had 10 years in the NHL. Um, and, you know, the players are just in awe and, you know, would do anything for them. So when you said John Gruden, I thought you meant the NFL guy. That would be awesome <laughs> if we get Chucky up yeah, here. Yeah, there's a couple of them. Uh, just, we've got 30 seconds, and this may be a tough question to answer in 30 seconds, but when you're talking about all these different things, is it possible for another team to become like the London Knights? Or are all the pieces just perfectly in place there that really nobody else is ever going to be able to replicate what happens? Of course, it's, it's totally possible. I think you've got to remember, though, that London uh, had a lot of lean years. This isn't going to happen in one or two years. Um, it's going to take a lot of time. That's the thing. I mean, I think London owns one of the worst all-time records in the CHL, a three-win season or something like that, not too long ago. So um, it takes time. But, but certainly, from everything I'm hearing, Hamilton's doing a lot of the right things early on to go that direction. We shall see. Josh Brown, really appreciate the time tonight. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, anytime, Scott. Good to talk to you.